You're listening to Muscle Medicine, where we debunk the myths in the health and wellness world to bring you the latest updates in exercise, rehab, and nutrition from industry leaders. Join your host, Dr. Emily Kybert, chiropractor and movement expert, as she brings you simple, actionable tips to reach your fullest potential. Hey there, Dr. Emily Kybert here with Muscle Medicine Podcast. Today is just you and me, a solo episode, just to update you on probably the last six months of what's been going on in my world. So if you don't know, I own a clinic called Urban Wellness Clinic in Midtown Manhattan at 57th and 6th, right in the heart of Midtown Manhattan. And, you know, on March 12th, I had a patient come in. And he said, I haven't left the house for six days because of this virus. And I was thinking, you know, we weren't wearing masks. And I was thinking, no, what are you talking about? That's crazy. Come March 16th, that was a Monday, I decided to close the clinic. And basically all of New York City shut down. And it was a very difficult decision. I had a lot of colleagues that stayed open because chiropractors are considered essential workers. But I decided for the safety of my staff, a staff of seven, and the safety of the patients to shut down the clinic. And originally the staff was furloughed and come May, right? So we're closed for all of March, all of April, Come mid-May, I was like, wow, rent's not going to start paying itself. And, you know, originally the sentiment was not if, but when we come back. But slowly the sentiment started to become if we go back. Because originally the feedback from patients was work from home till Labor Day. And so in my mind, I said the mindset, I just have to float the clinic. I just have to make overhead until Labor Day. And then everyone will come back. Back to work, you know, being in the heart of midtown Manhattan. There's a lot of corporations, a lot of people run over during the lunch break or before their work or after work to come see us. And mid-May, I was like, well, rent's not going to pay itself. So I better go back on my own and try and you know, take myself off of unemployment and try and start to generate some revenue for the clinic. Otherwise, we are not going to make it. So this is May, June, and by the end of June, it became very apparent that seeing, you know, I was seeing 5% of our normal capacity, 5%. And just every single dollar was going towards paying rent. And it wasn't even paying the full amount of rent. It was paying 50% rent. So every single hour and every single person I was treating was going to pay 50% of rent. And by end of June, it became very apparent that the story changed, that it's not work from home till Labor Day, it's work from home till end of year or indefinitely. And so I made a really challenging, heartbreaking, really just gut-wrenching decision to close the physical space that Urban Wellness Clinic was at and to let go of the staff. 
um, and to let them know. And this is like probably one of the hardest calls I've ever had to do, Zoom call, was to tell people that we were not coming back to the office because the office will be no longer. And I sent out an email to the patients and, you know, there were so many lovely messages about, you know, the vision that was created at the clinic and the collaboration with all the amazing practitioners was something they've never seen before. And so many messages of like, you've changed my life. I've never found what you do anywhere else. And that was really challenging. And through those months, March, April, (laughs) I remember driving to the clinic and it was just kind of like at the peak. And I wasn't seeing patients. I was, you know, picking up some mail driving in. And I remember driving from Brooklyn to Midtown Manhattan and a drive that would normally take me on a good day, 45 minutes, took me 15 minutes. The streets were deserted. Not only were there very few cars in the streets, the only people on the streets were the homeless. And so through the months, I went from full-time business owner to full-time mom, right? Because schools are closed at that time. And uh, so Elvis is four and a half. Baby Brooklyn just turned 14 months a couple of days ago, end of September. And so full-time business owner to full-time mom. And in May, we decided to get out of the city for the sake of the kids. So I feel very lucky to have a relative that has a house in the Hamptons. And I know when you hear, oh, the Hamptons, you think big houses, really upscale shishi, and it is all that. (laughs) But this house is far from that. This house is a beach shack. It is probably the smallest house in the block and is probably 800 square feet, maybe. But the blessing in it is that it is a 10-minute walk to a really gorgeous beach. And I feel so grateful to have the opportunity to get the kids out of the city because they were going a little stir crazy in the apartment. They wouldn't leave until probably 4.30 to go play soccer down in Brooklyn Bridge Park and go for a walk. So felt very grateful to be able to get out of the city and get some fresh air, go to the beach. Still a challenge as a full-time mom, really challenges what does it look like to have patience and grace with your kids over and over and over again. And for someone who is very introverted, myself, who needs time to their self every single day to be looking after the kids from the moment they wake up at like 6, 6.30 a.m. and take care of them till 9.30 p.m. It was probably one of the most challenging times. <laughs> Actually, probably harder than running a business. But, um, you know, through those times, just continuing to stay grateful and to remember that this too shall pass and that every single struggle and moment that feels challenging is a place to learn, a place to grow. And I would go into the city every other week and see patients for two weeks out of a friend's space. And, you know, through all of this, really ask myself, what does making a mark, leaving a legacy, what does success look like, right, on the inside? And 
from an outward appearance, right? Because as a female practitioner in a male-dominated profession in a very masculine city, to say, yeah, I have a clinic in New York City, and I can't tell you how many times people would ask me, oh, do you have a partner? Do you work for someone? Do you own your clinic with your husband? What does your husband do, right? Just kind of this disbelief that a that I, uh, as a woman, could own my own practice and be successful. And so what did that look like? No longer having that beautiful physical space that really was built from the bare bones, right? When I moved into the clinic, it was studs and it took three months to build it. And it was really an expression and a representation of myself, of my personality. But to let that go right? And the the numbers made it a no-brainer, right? A lot of people are like, oh, it must have been so hard and like really going back and forth and so hard to let go. From a financial perspective and numbers on the paper, it really wasn't <laughs> that tricky. Making 50% rent and trying to cover full overhead and not even paying yourself yet, it really was a no-brainer. But to you know, transition from full-time clinic owner with an amazing staff and amazing collaboration and patients getting better and just a continuous outreach of people wanting to come in to seeing 5% of what you normally see and then going to a full-time mom, it really has challenged what does it look like to be successful? What does it look like to be a business owner? Does success mean owning a clinic? Does it mean a certain dollar amount? Does it mean freedom? You know, a lot of people talk about, oh, how did you pivot? Why didn't you pivot? How, you know, how could you pivot? And I really was challenging myself to pivot, right? We offered telemedicine, we offered Zoom sessions, we tried to build them through insurance, which was really challenging because for many, many months, insurance was not allowing chiropractors to bill. Even chiropractors like myself, who do a lot of rehab, a lot of strength, a lot of movement, you know, most, I would say 99% of chiropractors just do adjustments, obviously, over the phone or through Zoom. That is not possible. But for months, insurance was only allowing occupational therapists and physical therapists to bill telemedicine. So even pivoting to telemedicine was a very challenging time trying to do work while watch the kids while your husband is you know as a salaried employee of another company trying to do work from home extremely challenging and you know this idea of pivoting it felt like swimming upstream and you're constantly even if you do two strokes forward <laughs> you're you're still behind so after going to the Hamptons until Labor Day. We flew to Michigan to see my parents. Well, sorry, we drove to Michigan to see my parents through the night, have never driven a four-year-old and a one-year-old more than two and a half hours. So we decided to drive through the night and showed up in Michigan. You know, my parents wanted to wear masks, get a COVID test, and, you know, we weren't exhibiting symptoms. We didn't have fevers. And the mask probably lasted half an hour before <laughs> everyone just kind of slipped them down. And so we've been here for two and a half weeks. 
one of the challenging things through the summer was, and one of the reasons why we left the city was Elvis's eczema was flaring up. And we brought in a second mold inspector and remediator, and they found, similar to what the first mold inspector found three years ago, was aspergillus um, in Elvis's bedroom, stachybotrys, which is black mold in our boiler room, which also has our AC unit and our washer dryer. And so we decided to remediate yet again a second time during the summer. And so to go through that again, and it was interesting because when Elvis went out to the Hamptons, his eczema started to get better in three days and totally disappeared within 10 days. And mine did as well. And for all those months that we were out there, three months, so June, July, August, half of September, three and a half months, our eczema was non-existent. And I, once we drove to drove to my parents' house in Michigan, I remembered a toilet leak probably 15 years ago. And in the playroom, there is a big spot of peeling paint and cracks. And within three days, Elvis's and mine's eczema flared up again, which is really challenging to, you know, consistently try and get out of the house to minimize exposure. If you listen to a couple episodes within the last six weeks, Brian Carr, he's a mold inspector. You could hear some of my story there in that episode. And also with Jill Krista, who is a naturopathic physician out of the Midwest, talk about mold exposure and really trying to avoid. Avoidance is the first step. So for Elvis and I to live in a place yet again with water damage and have our eczema flare up was really challenging. Also having some brain fog, some fatigue, feeling like I need the afternoon nap, which I know if you listen to Jill Krista's episode, that was kind of one of her symptoms when she was going through mold sickness. And, you know, I think this idea of letting go, of having regrets, of defining success, of really not getting time to myself. Those are all stressors, right? And I keep returning to, okay, this is a stressor. How can I respond in a way that is not reactionary, but allows me to take a pause and grow? So I kind of jumped on taking liposomal glutathione taking some binders, some charcoal, and some clay, and just really trying to do the best that I can, and taking this mindset that my husband was talking about of, and this might be a very masculine approach, but telling myself, I never get tired, I never get sick. I never get tired, I never get sick. And really trying to almost push through the discomfort, knowing that it is temporary because we're only going to stay here for two and a half weeks. So, you know, if this was years and years, I would not recommend that mindset. But if this is a short period of time and temporary, maybe it's something to try. I never get tired. I never get sick. You know, (laughs) other versions, I never get grumpy. So we just, my husband and I luckily had five days. We flew back to New York hung out for five days. I saw some patients. My parents took care of the kids, which I am so grateful. I've never left my baby for five days. 
It was a really sweet reunion with her. She kind of looked at me, looked at my mother, looked at me, smiled, cried, grunted, crawled over, gave me a big hug and just like smashed her lips into me, which I'm going to assume that's a big baby kiss, a 14-month-old kiss. And tomorrow we fly to Denver to check out the Denver Boulder area of any other place in the country other than New York. It is probably the place where we have the most friends, colleagues, acquaintances, right? Outside of our family, not in Denver. And I know that mold is everywhere and mold can grow anywhere and water damage can happen in any building. But I feel like my entire New York career, I have been in a sick building, a building with water damage, probably mold exposure, especially the Lower East Side Chinatown, even in our Brooklyn apartment, which was new construction in 2008. I feel like being in high desert will potentially minimize the mold exposure. Fingers crossed. Maybe this is just a story I'm telling myself. And I know that Denver does struggle with not the best air quality, especially with industrial factors to the Northeast, as well as wildfires like this one in California this summer that kind of creep across the West all the way to New York City, actually. We saw the, the haze in Michigan when we were here. So I know that the air quality is not always the best. But I think back to every time I get on a flight with my husband and I look at him and I go, we've lived a really amazing life. Do you have any regrets? Anything you haven't done? Anything you wish you'd done or say? And before we had kids, it was always like, oh, you know, I wish I never had a kid. That was like, if I was going <laughs> to not be on this flight or if the plane was going to crash or something would happen, it would be we, we didn't have kids. Well, now the kids are here. They're amazing. And, you know, when I look at him and I go, okay, because we just got on a flight, right, from New York to Michigan. And we're going to get on a flight to Denver tomorrow. And I look at him, I go, do you have any regrets, you know, if this plane crashed or didn't make it to where we're going. And he's like, no, no, we've lived a really amazing life. And I go, we have, (laughs) we've lived a really great life. And I go, but you know what? I've really want to take the kids hiking. I want them to experience the outdoors. It was a huge part of my upbringing, going salmon fishing with my dad, hiking in Alaska when I was 16 years old, changed my life doing trail work in Glacier National Park, being a park ranger in Sequoia National Park in California, and then working for bear management in Yellowstone National Park. And for those of you who are like, M, I did not know you did any of that. (laughs) I thought you were just always a a chiropractor, you know, pounding the pavement in New York City. But I had a stint of West Coast living and all those things really shaped my upbringing and my love for nature and being outdoors and allowing the brain to breathe and the mind to expand and finding some presence and pause within oneself and myself. And I want to experience that with my kids. So I look at him, I'm like, yeah, you know, I really want to go hiking with Elvie and I want to take Brooklyn hiking. I know she's only one, but you know, I want to grow up with them being outdoors, breathing fresh air. And so, so tomorrow we fly to Denver and we're going to check it out. We only have, we have a one-way ticket and 
We have Airbnbs booked for like five days at a time in different neighborhoods in Boulder, in the suburbs of Boulder, in Denver, in different areas. And, you know, the plan is to fly back to New York every two weeks and see patients for two days, which is basically what I've been doing since June, just training it in from Montauk. So I've never had months or a quarter or even the next year not planned. You know, for the last 14 years since I've been in practice in 2007, I've always had quarterly KPIs, goals, visions, dreams. How do I create the culture in the clinic? What are our core values? How do I bring people together? How do we serve our patients? What's missing? How can we do better? How can we be 1% better every day as a clinic, as a unit, as this like really efficient organism that sees patients who have seen so many people and are now coming to see us. And, you know, what's the next continuing education? What's, what do I want to integrate and play with in the clinic? And so this is the first time that I do not have a plan beyond we go to Denver and we feel it out and then we see. What I do know is that the apartment in New York still makes me sick. My eczema flares up, my hormones go crazy, I get fatigue, brain fog. The apartment is a block away from a super fun site that is getting cleaned up. And I'm sure 10 years from now, it will be spectacular. But right now, it's just not what my body needs. And maybe it's just the energy of New York. So that's where I have been the last six months. And I know everyone, and it's crazy to think, every single person on this planet has been affected by what's going on with COVID and the challenges during these times and having to navigate. And really, whether it's the struggle of working from home from kids with kids and managing that and balancing that or working from home and being super isolated and missing people and not seeing another person that you know and interact with or want to hug for like months, or if it's physically getting sick or struggling with the post-COVID symptoms or losing your job and not having work and having the financial struggle. Every single person on this planet has been touched by this virus. And I guess the message that I want to put out there is that how can we make this time a moment and point of reflection such that every single day moving forward, are we heading in a path that brings joy, that brings growth, that makes us 1% better every day? And it might not just be in the business aspect, it might be in other aspects like family, love, you know, financial situation. So I guess I just want to leave the message of hope. You know, this is the first time for me. I don't have a plan, but I have hope. I have hope to feel better physically in my body by changing my environment and providing a better environment for my kids and having the hope that everything's going to work out just as it was supposed to work out. So 
I know this is not the typical <laughs> muscle medicine episode, and we have had amazing guests, Dr. Stu Phillips, Martin Gabala, um, Alina Kanner, Brian Carr, Jill Krista. And, you know, listen to those episodes. Those are packed with just incredible information. And also just make sure, you know, we are such consumers of information. Like I, through these past six months, have like podcasts, online courses, digesting the news, digesting a little social media, trying not to too much, but not using that as a distraction or a vice to pull us away from ourselves, to use this time to kind of sit with yourself and return to yourself and come to a place of hope. So I hope you enjoyed this episode. Take care of yourself. Take care of your loved ones. That's a wrap. I have two truths that I fully believe in. First, to be 1% better every single day. And second, all feedback is good feedback because it helps us grow. Why do I say this? If you're enjoying these conversations and you find this is adding value, send us some love by subscribing to Muscle Medicine Podcast on iTunes. And if you want to share your voice with the world and scream it from the rooftops and tell your friends... Or you can just give us a little feedback so we can grow by rating and reviewing Muscle Medicine on iTunes. Thank you guys. So much gratitude. Dr. Emily Kybert here. <laughs>